Welcome everyone to another Pageant Planet podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. Today, Jesse Ledoux, our queen of coaching, and myself are interviewing Zozabini Tunzi. Zozabini is the current Miss Universe and took time to speak with us about what life is like as Miss Universe, how she learned to block out the haters, and her pursuit of greatness. Let's see what Zozie had to say. So, Zozie, I'm sure this is not the year that you expected as Miss Universe. So how have you been spending your quarantine? No, not at all. I don't think this is the year anyone, you know, ever expected. And I'm always joking around saying I knew that my reign would be unique, but I don't think I ever thought it would be this unique. But I've been doing I've been doing quite okay. I'm someone who is able to adjust very easily to situations. And so the minute this started happening, I started to look at other ways to sort of enjoy my reign or to keep in contact with uh, the pageant fans and just people who follow my reign and are interested in it just in general. And so when this happened, that's when we opened the hashtag Universe United campaign, which was a way to create this virtual global community where we would all come together and, and share our stories, you know, success stories, even stories of failure and just um, keep checking on each other, see how we're doing. And um, yeah, it's just a source of information, entertainment and education. So I think we've been doing pretty well. I've been seeing so much content on social media. So kudos to you for being so <laughs> open with yourself to the followers. Yeah, thank you so much. So I know our followers, they love to be inspired by current queens. So do you have a quote or a phrase that you live by to provide daily inspiration to you? Oh, yes, absolutely. My, it's a very long one. It's, well, it's not too long, but I don't know if you, do you want me to read it out or? Yeah. Just say, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, okay. So one of my absolute favorite uh, phrases, it's more like a phrase more than it is a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Um, it says it is not the critic, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is made by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So what that means in simple terms is that um, critics, you know, people who are standing on the outside like to look at our lives um, as individuals and, and say, this is how I would have acted. This is how I would have done it. But the truth is they're not inside the arena. They are not us and they are not in our lives. And so they cannot dictate our lives and how we should do things. Um, you'll find that people are easy to judge and to criticize, you know, other people because they've never been in their shoes before. And so what this quote, quote says is don't allow people who've never been in your shoes or aren't in your shoes to have a say in your life. So that's basically what it says in simple terms. It's beautiful. That really is beautiful. <laughs> Did you find you. when you decided to start competing that people were 
maybe speaking bad or giving you certain looks or anything of that kind of nature? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, look, I've had the biggest support since I won Miss South Africa. I, wo- I will never lie about that because when I won Miss South Africa, obviously people knew that I would then go to compete at Miss Universe. And, you know, my country was so proud. People where I came from were so proud. But there were also a lot of naysayers who, you know, didn't understand how or why I won. I think mainly because I didn't have what has been thought for a very long time to be a pageant look, which, you know, to me is still very crazy because, you know, pageant pageantry is about beauty and soul and empowerment and intellect and beauty comes in so many shapes and forms. Um, and so at, at first I was taken aback because the people who said that my beauty was not a beauty pageant beauty, mm-hmm. you know, were very mistaken because there's so many women who look like me, you know, um, and those women are beautiful too. It doesn't have to be a certain type of look. And so because of that, yes, I did have a lot of people who said I shouldn't be where I am. I don't deserve to be where I am. I still have a lot of people even now, you know, who say I don't deserve to be where I am. But like I said, those people, they don't matter because they're not inside the arena. They're not me. They are not living my life. And so I don't really give them space in my life to to bring in their negative energy. So when, I mean, and maybe you're just not like me at all, but sometimes... (laughs) um, sometimes that that negativity will get to me and I have like little habits or mantras that I do in order to overcome it. But what Mm. do you do when people start getting inside of your head and you have those critical voices going on? Yeah. You know, it's only human to actually feel because when you read something horrible about yourself or when somebody says something mean to you, um, it does get to you. Uh, But I think my coping mechanism is, like I said, I've I've had so much support from so many people. Um, And my story and my win has meant so much to so many people. And so I think I look at it that way. I try to focus more on the positives uh, because it's just a few percentage of people really that aren't as supportive. So I try not to let that, you know, small thing ruin this moment and and what it means to a lot of people. So I take a lot of strength from my supporters, people who've been there for me since day one, you know, my friends, my family, South Africans, and even just other pageant fans across the world who have come to embrace me. So I think that's how I cope by knowing that my win and my reign means so much to a lot of people. Then I don't give a lot of attention to the naysayers. Because the truth is, we're always going to have naysayers. Not everybody's going to like you, you know? I'm not money, is what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not money. That is not, great. Yes. I'm going to love me. And you know what? There's even some people out there that hate money. So, you know, there you, you go. Know what? If money can't win, then... <laughs> <laughs> no one can. No one can. So, yeah. Well, those naysayers, I mean, from my perspective, they're crazy because you are the ideal Miss Universe, in my opinion. You're stunning. You stand for something powerful and you're a great representative. So I love that you look forward and you don't let those negative um, bystanders get to you. So kudos to you for for working through that. And uh, of my pleasure. You know what, what else I've, I've realized about it is that 
people who are negative usually on the internet or on social media and uh, cyber bullies, it's usually people who have gone through some things in their lives as well. Um, you know, people who've probably been bullied or people who've never received a certain amount of love. And so when somebody attacks me on social media, sometimes I, I feel for them a little, you know, because I'm thinking what kind of childhood could you have had to be this broken of a person? And so usually when I do respond sometimes to critics, I try to do it with the utmost kindness you know, because I don't know where that person has been. And so instead of lashing out, I usually do try to speak to someone in a way that educates them, you know, about how to handle situations and how to interact with people who are different from you. So, um, yeah, it's different. It's different ways. That's how that's how people become bullies. And so I like to always say when we have children, we should try to groom them in, with as much kindness and love as possible because if they don't lack in love, then they become warm and kind people. I think that I'm the person that I am today because I grew in love and, and, and compassion and warmth from my parents and my family. Because they loved me, I'm able to love myself and, and to love others as well. And so, you know, I'm hoping that anyone who's listening who has a young child teaches them kindness and love and tolerance so that when they grow up you know they become these compassionate caring people in society yeah and you're you're so right and to, to lighten things up because i think you have 100 percent hit the point home of standing up for yourself and then seeing other people's perspectives i yes. want to know something a little lighter yes, what was the please. move like from south africa to the usa it was so it's one of the most exciting things I think anyone can experience because you, you know, I came to Atlanta with only two bags, two big bags and one bag with my national costume. I know it's not a lot of bags. <laughs> I know my little girls had bigger bags, but I had just two big bags and one with my national costume. And so that's not all of my life packed in one bag because you don't know if you're going to return home or stay. And so it's, it, it was just that exciting feeling of, oh my God, I'm actually staying. I'm not returning back home. Um, and so it was just that excitement of moving not only to a different city, but a whole new different continent and mm -hmm. country. So it, it was very exciting. It still is. You know, sometimes I look at my window and I see Central Park and I'm like, geez, you know, I've seen this so many times in, in the movies. I never imagined that I would actually live here, you know. I'll walk with Chasley sometimes. We like to take walks, um, especially now we'll walk through the park and we always say, oh my God, we live here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's something that we quite share about the excitement of, of, of New York City. But mm -hmm. it's been an awesome move. It's a great change from where I come from. But yeah, I definitely do miss home. I do miss home, but I love it here too. Oh, like my wife and I, we went to South Africa two years ago and it was really? amazing. Where did you go? Uh, well, we went to Johannesburg, like where we, we flew yeah. in and then we went to a resort. Oh, I don't even remember what city was in because the driver <laughs> just came up because we spent like two or three days in Johannesburg and then we went around oh. to several of the nurseries. Oh, that's so perfect. Did you go to Cape Town? Because I know a lot of tourists will go to Cape Town. A lot did. We didn't. Um, but oh. we were just, we were there for the wildlife. So we found a resort that was like in the middle of 
all these different excursions yeah. or whatever. Do you and know what's funny? I've so never been to like to see all the animals and take and go to a resort and do all that stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, well, you probably take it for granted because it's right in your backyard. Yeah, it's right there. True. Yeah. Well, it's like, True. I mean, I've never been to the Statue of Liberty, but I've been to New York like probably a dozen times. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, it, but I'm curious when you're here, do you have to get like a working visa? Because you're here for a whole year. Or yes. How does that so, happen? Yeah, so you get a working visa for a year. It's like, um, you know, this, uh, it's an O-1 visa. Okay. Yes, so that's the type that we get. Um, and it lasts for a year, I think, the whole time that you're here. And then, yeah, you have to get one. Otherwise, you can't get paid or do actual <laughs> Yeah, which is not good <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> so what's the biggest difference for you about living in the United States versus living in South Africa? What's like one of the big things that sticks out? Um, you know, South Africa is super diverse and something that I've actually seen about New York as well. New York is quite diverse, but I don't think as much diverse as, you know, South Africa and where I come from will ever be because there we literally have 11 official languages, um, which means almost 11 or more different cultures and ethnic groups. So it's just like quite vibrant in that way. And, you know, I walk out of my apartment in South Africa and I'll hear five different languages wow. from, you know, five different people. And that's just how different it is. And I think um, people back home are much friendlier as well. Not to say people in New York aren't, but like... They're yeah, not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> They're not. It's I, okay. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse lives in New York. Jesse lives in New York. I did not want to say it, but people in New York are minding their own business. Everyone we is are. always in a hurry. Yeah. They're in a hurry to get to somewhere. You know, people are always busy. And I think that's the major difference in, in, in South Africa. Um, it's, it's much more friendlier. Like we greet each other when we pass each other on the roads and small things like that. Yeah. But yeah. You get that in smaller cities and like where I'm from, yeah. the population was like 7,000 people and oh. everyone knows everyone. So it's a lot more friendlier What's than the friendliest city in America. Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to say <laughs> Belpre because that's my hometown, Belpre, Ohio. <laughs> that's where you're from. Yeah, that's I'm, where I'm from. I'm going to allow your bias. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like living with the other queens i mean i know kaylee she kind of comes in and out on the weekends before quarantined yeah but you know what's it like living with them yeah kaylee comes in once in a while because she's a, a she's a student who she goes to college so she doesn't really live here but will come when we're shooting something or when she has work here and she's pretty amazing you know very smart you know very brilliant young woman and I always say to her I don't think at 19 I was that put together you know mm. <laughs> so um it's it's absolutely amazing to see her you know grow and learn more about herself in this process and Chesley oh I absolutely love her we've become sisters you know she has become such a close friend to me we spend a lot of time together especially during this quarantine life <laughs> Because we're, we're stuck together in this apartment and we've kind of grown to know each other even more. Um, we actually got along even during the competition phase when we were still in Atlanta. She was one of the people that I, 
you know, really gravitated towards and, and enjoyed. Um, she was actually one of the first people, contestants I met, if not the first contestant I met, because I came to New York in September when I was still in South Africa. And I met up with Chesley and she was cool. And so moving in with her was not a difficult process. We get along like a house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that saying before, but it might be a new one. Gosh, yeah. that, you, that's two. Okay, I'm not money and we get along like a house on fire. <laughs> yes. Okay. All sorts of pearls of wisdom. So, Zozi, it's no secret that South Africa has been a powerhouse at Miss Universe in recent years. And was there increased pressure around your performance at Miss Universe to uphold that standard? Oh, my God, yes, absolutely. Um, because, again, Demi had won. And then after that, Tamron, you know, came first runner up. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is intense because... <laughs> People would keep reminding me there as well. They would keep asking me exactly what you're asking me. So how do you feel? Do you feel any pressure? At first, after I won Miss South Africa, I didn't think about it that much. Um, and I was like, fine. Until obviously I got there and I was like, oh my God, you know, South Africa has really become quite a big deal when it comes to pageantry now. And I remember thinking, you know what? I just want to place. Please, God, just like if I place, that's going to be enough. And at this point, doesn't matter if I win or not. Because <laughs> can you imagine if I didn't place? I was like, oh my god, it would be like she didn't even place. So, <laughs> You'd have to. Oh, what a shame! You would just go back home as Miss South Africa. Right? Yeah, it's like and oh, universe. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. I was like, I just want to place, just so that people don't say she didn't even place. But <laughs> so I placed, and then I just kept on moving on to the next round, to the next level. By the time I got to top five, I was content. I was like, it's fine. Right. It can end here. I'm, I will have done more than enough. You know, um, I would have stood for what I, I wanted to stand for. I think the most important thing for me was to get on that stage and make and make a statement yeah. um, and make sure that people heard what I wanted to say, make sure that my voice was heard. And so whether or not I'd won that night, I feel like I would have achieved that, you know, just by being in top three. My message would have gone across, but obviously winning is, is the goal. Everybody wants to win because um, it just makes everything better. <laughs> so, so why yeah. why do you think the sudden shift in South Africa of why you are doing so well? Like, does something change in the organization over there? I honestly don't know because here's why I don't know. I wasn't somebody who followed Miss Universe that much in the first place. I think I started catching up maybe when Pia won, especially mm -hmm. after that whole thing that we no longer speak about now with Steve. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, so I think that's when it became so popular. And, and then I think I started paying most attention to it. But um, I haven't been keeping track of, you know, the South African queens. I know that women in South Africa are amazing. You know, we, we come from a beautiful history as a country and I think it has groomed who we are and I think one of our strongest points as South Africans is that like I said we come from such a diverse country and because of how diverse we are we are able to fit in anywhere we go you can never put a South African in a place and they, and they won't fit in 
just because we're used to that diversity, we're used to having an understanding of different people, you know, how people function, how they work, how they think. And so I think that comes to our advantage. And um, it's just we, we come from a, a strong line of incredibly strong women. And so I think it has rubbed off on us. And I think when we get to, the, to Miss Universe, we, we don't change that about who we are. Um, we're very firm in the things that we believe in and maybe that's why I honestly don't have an answer for you but I think <laughs> I think that's what sets us apart from other people so so you didn't you didn't yeah. follow pageantry before getting involved and you're already working um, as a model so like why did you decide to start competing yeah, so when I say I didn't fall, I obviously was watching Miss South Africa from back home because that's something that we did grow up watching um, just not international pageants because for one, uh, growing up when I was younger, I don't even think we had a TV channel that broadcasted this universe. Or if it did, it was available to a certain percentage of people. Um, and a lot of families didn't have access to that. So I think that's why we weren't exposed that much to this universe or any kind of international pageant. Um, but I always did have an interest in pageants because of Miss South Africa. And, and I think the caliber of women that have always come from that platform had always been incredible women who went on to do amazing things after they had won. And so I was so inspired by the things that they did. And also, I'm somebody who grew up reading a lot of books. And the books that I read, it was books about people who did magnificent things in the world. I'd read about the likes of, you know, um, Nelson Mandela, Stephen Biko. I'd read about Maya Angelou. I'd read about all of these people from across the world who were larger than life. And I think because I was very young reading those books, I wanted to be those people. I wanted to have a life, you know, that was so much more than me. I wanted to stand for something. I wanted to believe in something and I wanted to live a life that was more than just about myself. And so I think when I was younger, I didn't know how that would happen. I didn't know how I would pursue that, but I knew that it's something that I wanted to do. And then I soon learned about Miss South Africa and the platform it afforded women. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do to get the platform to use my voice and, and speak about things that I feel are important in, in, in society and in the world. So I did Miss South Africa because of that. Literally, I always tell people I didn't enter Miss South Africa because I thought I was the most beautiful woman in South Africa. That would be crazy. There's so many beautiful women in the world. I did it because I knew I had a voice. I knew I stood for something. Of course, I looked in the mirror and I saw beauty. I was like, you know what? I'm beautiful. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I stand for something. And I think that this is a platform that I can use um, to tackle those things. And so I entered Miss South Africa and then I won Miss Universe, which became even a bigger platform than I'd ever imagined in my life. Right. So, yeah. How was, what was your preparation like? I know we traditionally think about mock interviews and walking lessons. Mm -hmm. Was yours similar or was it different? Tell us about it. So my journey is quite different because, like I said, I know people have, have pageant coaches and have been training for, you know, for years. You know, people take years to train, a year, months. For me, I was an intern at Ogilvy, um, an advertising agency, and I, I decided to do Miss South Africa, and I didn't have any pageant training prior to winning Miss South Africa. So... 
I Miss South Africa has a pageant coach, like a resident pageant coach that's already there. So the minute that I won, obviously I'd started working with him, but I didn't get to work for a very long time with him because I only had two months as a Miss South Africa before I went to compete for Miss Universe. And so I think I maybe might have had about two catwalk classes ever in my life. Stop I had two it. classes. <laughs> <laughs> that is I amazing. Had, yeah, casual. <laughs> yeah, casual. Uh, only two. And then, you know, crush the... And then, obviously, we do interviews as well by watching, you know, how other people conduct themselves research obviously comes by watching how other queens um have done it but also by trying to find out what my strengths are so we'd sit there and there and we'd just have conversations about the world how i view the world how i think about certain things so it was never about like watching what other people say and what they think it was always about my opinion how do i think how would i change this how would i change that there's this world issue happening what do you think about that and so i was always being encouraged to think all the time you know think have opinions about things always have opinions about things and so that's how my training really was for two months because i had to have to do my duty as Miss South Africa and try to train at the same time. So I didn't really have a lot of time to train at wow. all. Wow. And that's really such good preparation. So, you know, kudos. And obviously, I mean, you've basically had, in essence, three Miss Universes. I know it was that two Miss Universes and one first runner-up. So you it's uh, yeah. pretty darn close. But since a lot of our um, listeners are actual competitors and they are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, how do we, and we actually have a large following from South Africa um, oh, wow. and Australia and Europe and Canada and all that. But, um, <laughs> but I was always surprised about like how many South Africans come to our site and listen to our podcast based on the stats. But mm-hmm. what would yeah. be your advice? Wait, to- how, how is that? Has it been for the past few years or has it been happening for a very long time that South Africans are you following? Know, it, I would say it started, I would say it started happening. It was about four years ago, maybe four okay. or five years ago. Um, hmm. And that's why I was like, gosh, did something shift or, I mean, cause sometimes it can just be. Do you like, know why? Well, I think it's because um, Rolene Strauss won Miss World in 2014. And so I think people in South Africa started like looking at pageants like uh, something real that could happen. And I think that's where the shift might have happened. Mm-hmm. That makes a Berlin's lot of sense. one of my favorites too. Oh my God, yeah. we talk about her all the she's, time. She's oh, beautiful, beautiful and very kind and yeah. gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, is. So I think, I think that's where the interest started. That makes a but, lot of sense. That makes, uh, when you, you say that, I never made that connection point before. Yeah, I think so. So what would be your advice to them? The girls who want to win. Sure. My biggest advice to girls who want to win is, number one, I, I really want them to know themselves and to stick to their stories. It's so important to have a story and something that you believe in. A walk is something that you can be taught. 
fashion, how to dress is something that you can be taught. Makeup, hair, those things are very teachable. And so I want them to know that that is not like the most important thing that they need to be concerned about. Yes, they need to be concerned about it because it's important how you look comes as part of the package. But they should remember that it's easy to learn. What they cannot be taught is what they stand for. You need to always stand for something. And like I said, always have opinions about the world. And I think what I want to remind them about as well is to know that there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to our opinions. So one thing that scares us when we go into interviews and we start speaking to people, we start thinking, what if I'm wrong? You know? These people are looking for your opinions. What do you think about certain things and can you stand for it? You know, can you stand by your opinion? Can you explain why you feel the way that you do? I think what I want to also tell them is to be aware of current events and what's happening in the world. And as much as you're not going to get there and they're not going to ask you about who was the first president ever in the world of any country, you know, they shouldn't worry about things like that, but they should know about current events, you know, what's happening and should be able to have an opinion about that as well. Um, my biggest thing is that when you walk into an interview room, always remember it's a conversation. What usually puts people off is that when people walk into an interview room and meet judges for the first time, they're like, oh my God, I'm being judged. The judges are not out to get you. They just want to get to know you. So think of it as a conversation that you would have with your friend in your living room. You know, so just mm-hmm. have a conversation and always remember that this is an interview for a job. The real work comes after. So you have to be passionate about this. You have to stand for something and treat this like you would treat any other job interview. You know, if you're going to a job interview, you research about the place, you you research about what's important to it, because what what your organization is looking for, whether it's Miss Brazil, South Africa, or Colombia, they are looking to hire somebody who is going to be a representative of the brand. So what they want to see is, can your brand align with their brand? Can you be the spokesperson of this brand? And so treat treat it like an interview. Do your research. Find out about the organization. Find out what they stand for. See if your goals are aligned with the goals of the organization and try to speak to that. Sell yourself. Basically, it's like walking into an interview and saying, listen, you need me. <laughs> you need me for A, B, C, and D. So it's literally just about selling yourself and being honest in doing it because people pick up, pick up when you lie. People can pick it up so easily. When you try to be something you're not or someone you're not, they pick up pretense very easily. So I know it's very cliche, but walk in, walk in as yourself and um, try to impress them as much as you can. Also, try to, un- I know you guys are going to be, I hope you guys are not mad about, you guys are not mad about this, but don't focus too much on pageant predictions, pageant pages, or all of that kind of stuff when you're competing because it throws you off. You know, fans come in and they have their top favorites and they have their predictions, which is okay. It's very fun for us who are watching and are not competing, but for you who's competing, Stay away. <laughs> Stay away. So I think that's my advice. Well, like I said earlier, Zozi, you are such 
a fantastic representative for Miss Universe for so many different reasons and many of which we heard about today. So we're so honored that you took time to spend with us this morning and sharing your knowledge with all of our followers at Pageant Planet. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this show or from ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It might seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. Until next time, take care.